rise and shine your light and opulent solution seekers it's your girl the spiritual activist coming to you with another word message spot of wisdom whatever you want to call it the vicious cycle of poverty and its association with the consumeristic the vicious cycle of consumerism so basically it's kind of the idea that you know a lot of times a lot of the healthy habits and addictions that we pick up are usually adaptations to hostile environments, you know, struggle, poverty, financial strain, stress, and a lot of times like the sugar, the junk food, those are all means of comfort. Comfort food, you know what I mean? Um the drinking, the smoking, all those things are a means to cope with, like, how can I say, um, short-term ways of coping with the stresses that we're under based on the circumstances we're in financially. And so, to me, I say it's a vicious cycle because I really do feel like it's set up that way. It's like all of the unhealthy things are the cheapest. They're more feeling. You know, it's people can tell you to meditate, but when you don't have food in your fridge or when you're when you don't know how you're gonna pay your next bill if you don't know if you're gonna lose your home next week those things are stressors that almost you don't you feel like meditating is a waste of time like you feel like them or or it's like that stillness only until it's mastered only perpetuates the stress because your mind is constantly racing on this worry, this worry, this stress, this stress, until it becomes more energetic instead of mental. See, the, the the real power of meditation does put you in a different state, your nervous system in a different state, but it, it it's not always that easy to get to that point because in the beginning, you may your mind may be running rampant because that's like probably the first time you've been still without running like a, uh, you know, a hamster on the wheel. So there's just a lot to it. And it's not to say that you can't get healthy when you're poor or you can't um, be unhealthy when you're rich. It's just there are a lot of associations with poverty and health and wellness. It's just but no one ever wants to look at that because the, the system wants the poor to stay poor and the rich to stay richer. There's so many things within the systems that make it hard for working class to pull themselves, quote-unquote, from up from their bootstraps. You know, just look at, like, the food stamp system. If you're in a relationship, if, you have a, if you're a couple trying to get food stamps, oh, you can forget it. I don't care if y'all both make $5 an hour. They're going to make it to where you cannot get food stamps because it's meant for single mothers. And the sad part is is it almost perpetuates a, a, a person to be want to feel single because it's like, I need help, I need this benefit, but the only way I can do it is, one, if I have a child pregnant – or two if I'm single. So now you're perpetuating more single mothers and more children being raised without a father. Same thing with WIC. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of these support systems are only for women. And it's because the mindset is that the men should be the provider. But the thing is, a lot of the systems don't set it up for minority men to be the sole provider. They, the, with the way the cost of living is, they need help. And, and that feeling is emasculating. And... It's just not accurate. Like, like the, that reality of them being the sole provider on these salaries that are typical salaries for people who don't have education or don't have experience or whatever, 
it's almost impossible. It's about who you know to get in those positions. And then even still, the cost of living is just ridiculous. Okay, so I had an episode called Discernment Versus Desperation. But it really should be more discernment over desperation. But you see, the recording didn't go through for some reason. It This whole audio is like muted. I don't know what happened, but you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So let's get into it. So when you think of discernment, you think of good judgment. Me, I think of my faith and my spirit. And I think of how I bring God into my life. To help me oversee. It's like God be my eyes. Be my ears. Be all of my inputs. So that I can receive information in your light. So I can see truth. So I can see what's true. So I can see what's factual. Not just what someone's perspective. You know what I mean? Like show me your word in these vessels. Show me what not only just resonates with my own experiences, but what's actually reality. You know what I mean? Like what's true. And that's what I look at when I think of discernment. But then I think of desperation. And sometimes when we're in a state of desperation, our discernment or our perspective is altered. It's compromised. It's vulnerable. So we, we may bend the rules or bend the truth or, make do or settle, you know, or make excuses so that we can gain something from someone out of out of mere necessity, out of mere, like, desperation. Like, we truly need it, we really need it. So, okay, maybe they're not so bad. You know, they are rich. They do make six figures. So maybe I can hear them out <laughs> when really we know we saw the red flags from a mile away. We saw that they were scum from a mile away. And I'm just using the example because people tend to resonate with relationship examples the most. But it could literally be anything. It could just be an influencer you listen to. It could be a job that you're trying to apply for. And you, you see all the signs that this is not going to align with you and who you are now. But you really need the job. And so you may make sacrifices. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But what I'm saying is do not allow the trends and the monetizing of everything, especially when it comes to wellness and holistic healing, um, to exploit your circumstance. You may be poor. You may be in poverty. You may not have a lot of money. You may be struggling. But don't let these people out here exploit that and tell you what you want to hear. You got to be able to see beyond that, hear beyond what you want to hear, what you need. You got to be able to see beyond your necessity because people specifically understand, oh, there's a problem. I can, I have the solution when they may not have the solution for your problem. They may just have what you want to hear. And it's almost like a bait and switch, clickbait, all those types of ploys to get you in the door, to pull you, reel you in. And once they got you, they got you. You know what I'm saying? It's like a fishing but it's catfishing <laughs> because in the end, it's not what you wanted. And sometimes you already know that, but you go for it anyway. So my thing is make the sacrifices. Don't feel guilty if you got to do what you got to do to get what you want. Everybody's not out here to be an entrepreneur or this mega guru or whatever, you know, that's trending right now. But it doesn't also mean think small all the time. Sometimes if you do have a dream deep down, 
go for it. If you do have something, go for it. And in the meantime, if you have to, you know, take a BS job for the time being, then okay, that's so be it. But at least you have the awareness and you're using the job, not letting the job use you. You're using the money, not let the money use you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not letting something have a hold over you and manipulate you. I don't really know what else was in that episode, but this one came out about three minutes short. <laughs> so, but we're going to leave it at that. You know, what God needs to allow me to put out is what I'm going with. I'm letting him lead the way all the way. <laughs> all right, y'all, that's it. You know, I was looking at this like inspiring message that I was listening to on Instagram. And of course, <laughs> being the cynical, skeptical, fact checking person that I am, which is a lot of times not always good. It's like a bittersweet thing being able to balance between having a spiritual discernment and just understanding what's like wounded triggers and whatnot but anywho so I listened to this inspired message and the message really was really good like I'm like okay I, I I understand that and um I'm just I'm gonna just say what it is I I just don't want to discredit this post but it was about a well theory right and the theory was that wells they are not of the world that they live in which is the water because they have to come up to get air and so they they know how to of course they've evolved to know how to hold their breath for long periods of time extended periods of time and so that's how they survive underwater but they still need to come up for air so it, the whole point was for the person to say that we are uh, are not of the world that we are in we live in it but we're not of it and yes we may know when we're tired we go to we take rest you know when we're thirsty we drink when we're hungry we eat but what are you doing when your spirit is feeling defeated? You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, you need God. You need to come up and, you know, pray and worship and, and those things. You need God. And I agree. I agree with the whole message. But I was I had to ask myself as an influencer, as a, I don't even like the word influencer, but as a person who wants to help people but on a platform that is geared by influencing, I'm like, would I be willing to lie or bend the truth to uplift people? And I'm like, it may be a small price to pay to, quote unquote, do what a, a, a say a white lie, which I don't even like that term either, because it's like, why are things that are not so bad white? Yeah, I'm not going to get into too deep into the psychology around it, but it's like, I mean, I guess not. But when, <laughs> the way I am, I heard that I'm like, okay, so he say, you know, what made it, it powerful is because he said, if you don't do it, you would eventually drown if you don't come up and connect, basically. So, because his rationale was, the the fact is, he learned the fact that most whales die by drowning. And so, when I hear somebody say a fact, because, like I always say, if it's outside of a fact, it's up for debate. So, when someone proclaimed that something is a fact, the fact checker in me, the whistleblower in me, wants to go check. So I was like, how do whales die? And I started researching and nothing said drown. Unless like, of course, if they if they get stuck in something or if they die, then their body goes sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Of course, but it's like nothing said that that is like the natural cause of death. It's usually old age, human, um, 
like environmental stuff, things that we've done to put them into like an unsafe environment or whatever. Like, so I was like, okay. But then deeper than that, I started saying, I started thinking about gatekeepers and I was like, you know, the real true gatekeepers, when you think about it, are the people who truly know I ain't going to say truly know the people who truly are in the trenches. And I mean like physically in there because what made me think of this is that one woman, I was looking at all the posts, everybody was like, except like, oh wow, mind blown. This is lightning, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But one woman said, hey, I'm a marine biologist. And she read my mind. I was seeking for that. My mind was seeking for that. And I was like, she's like, I'm a marine biologist. And I know that most whales don't die because of, drown they die because of human this and this and this and that and so but it made me think yes you're a marine biologist but you're most likely a researcher like i don't see her having more than 10 years of experience because she seemed young and this is just me on my assumption right so it's like i feel like most people who are in their fields are more so researchers and take knowledge that's already in books, take knowledge that's already in something. Because how do you know, how have have you really spent over 10 years of your life getting statistical data that you've seen with your eyes? First-hand information is hard to come by. Like, it, it takes years to build that level of proof to say that this is something that's, a fact to me, I mean, like some facts obviously are clear to others. Like we know the sky is blue. That's a fact. Like if you see it, it's blue, it's blue. But I'm talking about like when we get a lot of the data and the information that we get, nine times out of 10, it just comes from research that we've seen from somebody else. So think about an herbalist, somebody like me, I can say, I'm going to learn about herbs. I can even go to a mentor, someone who's been doing it for 30 years. They're technically the gatekeeper of that information. Because I'm going to believe what they give me. Yes, I can activate my spirit of discernment and say, you know, God, watch over the information and knowledge that I get. And hopefully that is the most accurate. Only let me receive the accurate knowledge. But at the end of the day, what if they've stumbled upon a plant that's like an all-healing plant that heals everything? And in the back of their mind, down the line, they have a plan to exploit this plant to hold the key to immortality or something, right? They can lie to me and give me all of these surface level herbs that will not give me the full cure so that they know that they can hold on to something that I will need, a dependency. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a dependency and there's a power in people needing me, even if I'm the one that's giving the infection. Like something that came over my head was like, why would you allow the person who infected you to give you the antidote? Why would you lie to the person that who made you sick give you the prescribe you the medication you need? You know what I'm saying? It's like, so I just started thinking, I'm like, to get that firsthand knowledge, you gotta be the people who are like daring, the people who actually like go out into Antarctica and, and climb mountains and, and go um into these forests and and like actually scuba into these uh marine life habitats and like the people who are really there seeing it with their own eyes and who have a job to uphold the truth and the integrity of what they see, hear, and learn. And to bring that back and to 
pray that they give the information in the most valid way possible. Of course, their filters and their perspectives are going to be part of it. They can't help it. They're human. You know what I'm saying? It's like their perspective is going to be attached to it. Their filters are going to be attached to it. But to be as objective as they can with, with the facts that they've seen. So that when they share it, it's not being twisted, it's not being manipulated, it's not being exploited just to hold a certain level of hierarchy amongst the people who are seeking for knowledge versus the people who are teaching the knowledge or who have actually experienced the knowledge. You know what I'm saying? So I just started thinking about that and it's like, ah, I don't even know where this is going, but it was just like, bro, mind blowing. Anyway, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I don't know if this helped someone or made them worse off, but my intention is that sometimes you just don't take everything for face value. But on top of that, if what you're receiving, the knowledge that you're receiving, the information that you're receiving, if it's uplifting you, if it's empowering you, if it's moving your spirit and motivating you, then by all means, why challenge it? Why question it? Because the way the mind works is if you, if your mind is already established that it wants to challenge information or that it wants to denote or reject some a truth that you've already you know kind of incorporated into your consciousness, then it will it'll find a way to prove it wrong in a sense. But yeah. Anyway, as always, guys, keep God first. Peace, love, light, and healing energies. We open to receiving them. I love you guys. Peace out. All right, guys. So, real, real reflection time. So, I was sitting in the bed, eating this good old plate of uh, beans and smoked meat. <laughs> Just being real. But, hey, no. So I was sitting in the bed, eating this food, and a thought ran through my mind. And it was like, I was comparing the way I was eating this cornbread and beans with the smoked turkey necks and sausages. And I was thinking about, if I was eating this in the bed, and I was my son or my husband, this would be all over the place. You know how cornbread is, it crumbles. But it's just like, man, I just know how to eat really neat. And for some reason, I had like an epiphany of, why is that? Like, for one, why was I having a thought that I was comparing? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, what's the big deal? Okay, if they waste their messy eaters, no big deal. I mean, I, I really wasn't thinking it was a big deal, but my mind apparently did and felt the need to give me some sort of accolade or pat on the back for being a neat freak. And so me knowing that the mind's thoughts a lot of times are not, you know, Ours, especially when we get to a place when we're accepting and have d different levels of consciousness and we know we're the observer and the driver, we know that these thoughts can come from different places. And yeah, it could be calling and thinking deep, but I just felt like it was something to look into. So I was like, you know, that sounds like an inner child thing. And I was like, why do, like, why did I even take note of that? And it started, it made me think, and it's like, thinking about childhood a lot of us have perfectionism, you know, people-pleasing, um, this overcompensating, you know, type of mentality. And I really feel like that stems 
from poverty. It stems from struggle. It stems from being in households where worry and stress were always the emotions in the forefront. You know what I'm saying? Like, and right now, a lot of us that are waking, awakening did come from backgrounds like that. I don't believe the majority of us came from backgrounds that had like a silver spoon. You know what I mean? Like already with the riches, already with the great life experiences and, and resources and opportunities as most of us. Like, you know, just the be- just the better um, opportunities to have a more stress-free, fruitful life. So, and when you think about that, being a child in an environment that's emotionally traumatic like that, like constantly stressed out, everybody's on edge, everybody's irritable, frustrated with life, you know, think about how you get some time, maybe when you're down and out and depressed or, or just frustrated with the way life can knock you down and kick you around, whatever. So I feel like as a child, though, the way we, because children are helpless when you think about it. We think about their size, age, and position in life. They're helpless to trauma. So a lot of times, well, we all are, but they're in this fight, flight, fawn, or freeze mentality. When you think about it, fight and flight a lot of times is not even an option because they can't really run away. I mean, they can maybe retreat to their room. Um, they can't really fight, come on, because it's their parents or whatever, family, and they're not at rank to do that without getting stomped down. Um, and freeze, mm, it's not really culturally acceptable to freeze a lot of times, and so humiliation trumps that reaction. And so I started thinking, when you think of fawn, in itself, it's like coming to a childlike pose. It's retreating. It's this non-confrontational reaction that a lot of us carry still as adults. And because the confrontation in itself is fearful enough. And so it's like it made me start thinking. So what fun actually means is you kind of do things to avoid confrontation. You do things to appease the person who may be the um, abuser. And I don't even like the word abuser because a lot of times this uh, stress and this trauma that's inflicted on a child is not always intentional. It's just your parents doing what the best they could with what they had. But so from the person who's inflicting this trauma on a child, intentionally or unintentionally, you want to appease them as a, as a child wanting to make their parent proud. Like you just kind of want to do things to take the load off of them. Like you see them stressed, you see them angry. You like sometimes we take it as it's our fault for one. We blame ourselves. We feel guilty. So we do, we start overcompensating. We start making sure, well, at least I'm going to get good grades. Uh, or at least I'm not going to be messy. Or at least I'm not going to be, um, I'm not going to talk back. I'm not going to be disrespectful. Or I'm not going to do any sins. I'm going to be good in church. And all these things, you know, that we do to try to make our parents see and make them happy. Not realizing we are not designed to make them happy. That wasn't our job or our responsibility. Of course, they love us and us being a part of their lives I'm sure gave them a sense of happiness that they could always retreat to when they had nothing else around them that, that, that could make them happy. But overall, nothing we could do could ever shift their mindset. It had to be something within them to bring that, like, jolt of awareness. You see what I'm saying? So, but, and I just started thinking about me. It's like, this, that that was me. I, I always wanted to be perfectionist. I always wanted to make my mom and dad proud. And... 
it kind of spiraled into other unhealthy things. Like it makes me a little more OCD. It made me, you know, a little more anal and overanalyzing and just like, like I said, overcompensating because it's like I always wanted to be ahead of it. I always wanted to be a problem solver, a fixer, a healer. And all these things continue to unfold more and more into who I am. And it's just, it was just like a really like eye-opening epiphany that this is something that a lot of us carry because of the environment. And that's why I say it's crazy to me that money is just not becoming like a trending thing. And, of course, I don't feel like that's intentional. It's like the oppressors of the world never want us to be aware of ourselves. But poverty and how it impacts the human mind, the psyche, and the it's the root of so many issues. And it's a shame that people always try to say when you're obsessed about money and having money, it, you, they try to put this label around it and they try to put this, uh, like, characteristics around wanting money and wanting to be successful and wanting to be out of the poor, the ghetto, whatever, and have money and be rich. And it's like... That's a big narrative that we have to shift for one because it's 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 traumatizing itself and it's it's harmful to your success because like Myron Golden said with the poverty programming, if you despise rich people or you have some innate programming that being rich is like somewhat bad or or it changes your who you are as a person then you will never become something you despise. And the thing you have to understand is the money is root of all evil, all these things. It's not the money. It's the greed. It's the selfishness. It's the heart of the person. It's the disconnect from God. The, under, the, the lack of knowing that money is, a, is not the source. Money is a channel, is a tool that you can use to advance in this monetary world. You know what I'm saying? Like this, the way this world is ran, a lot of the things that we can do for this world do need money to do the things that we are called to do. It's just, it is what it is. It's just a fact. But I digress. This really wasn't about money, but it's just still, it was an eye-opening thing of, like, why I'm like this. And and I just started going to the roots because, like I say with me, it's always get to the roots to find a solution. So, yeah, I just thought I'd share that with somebody because I feel like someone out there, a lot of people out there, could really relate to me in that feeling. And I just want you to know, it was never your responsibility to make your parents happy. But just know that I'm sure you did. And everything you do today is not broken. It's just an adaptation of your, of the circumstances you were given. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know them now, you're aware of them now, and you're working through them. Now the only thing is, is to make sure that your adaptation does not become your downfall. And that means do not allow who you become within your heart to be manipulated or exploited by this world. Use it as a gift. Your heart is pure and priceless, and anyone will be lucky to have it. As always, keep God first. Peace, love, light, and healing energies. Be open to receiving them. I love you guys. Peace out. You know, I was thinking about money mindset and of course money blocks like basically mental roadblocks things in our mind thoughts in our minds feelings in our minds emotions in our bodies that 
impact the flow of money to us. Everything doesn't have to be magical, but when you think about it on a practical scale, if your mind has some level of deterrence, like some way to go away from something, then I don't feel like opportunities will necessarily open up for you. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, even if they're there, your perspective is so limited that you won't even be able to see it. So you'll miss the opportunities. It's kind of like, as, as just, you know, normal black people who carry a level of, I don't want people to be offended, but like ignorance, just basically a level of not knowing, like not being exposed to the world and all of its facets and what it has to offer. Like when you think about, you know, in our culture, we can be closed minded sometimes and we cannot be privy to a lot of the things that could make money. Like, we, like you know how everybody has their program and like some people may really not think like only becoming a doctor, a lawyer or whatever is a feasible way to make a living. Um, but the other day after I saw grown people, not, not, not our people now, but grown people freaking riding ponies on a stick, like the toy ponies on a stick as a sport. And I think, and I'm thinking the back of my hand, like, yeah, and I bet they're making six figures <laughs> to do this shit. Like people are sit, literally sitting in the audience watching this. Somebody's paying them to do it. So, but it's like, I think a lot of our money blocks come from poverty programming. It comes from religious viewpoints. And I'm not going to say it's the Bible. I'm going to say it's the context that's, it's been taken out of. Like people have taken the Bible out of context. People have twisted it. People have manipulated it, the words or whatever. And it's like there's a big association with being rich, having money, and being like an evil person, being a greedy person, you know, not being a noble or humble or or godly person. So it's like, like um, I recently heard someone uh, named Myron Golden. He's a like a business consultant. He said subconsciously you're not going to become something you despise so if you have an issue with rich people or you don't want to be like them or you think there's something bad like if you think about all the superhero movies when these the villain is is is, is a lot of times this rich wealthy guy in the sky line uh, loft you know what i'm saying like just up there diabolical genius and the and the uh superhero has some kind of sh traumatic Past that they've overcome to be this great thing, and I think a lot of times that is a programming that we carry. Like a lot of us carry this idea of through my trauma, I had to carry this identity and overcome it, and then devote my life to this servitude or this being this teacher or this divine being. And you know, I have to be like Jesus. And, and not saying anything is wrong with these things, because I'm in some part have always had a calling to help people. You know, I looked at my adversities and whatever I may have thought they were and wanted to help people. But I think we can start drawing a line between the idea that there's definitives. Like you, your, your servitude or your service to the Lord has to be the thing that makes you money. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. I know people who have what they do to as their service to the Lord like they may have like a school they may have like a daycare they may have like a, a clinic 
and those things may not make them that much money, or they may have a nonprofit, but then on the side they have another business or another avenue of making money, or they invest, or they're day traders, or you know what I'm saying? Like, so they're doing both, or they may write a book that's empowering and transformative to the spirit. But they may work like a regular job, a nine to five, like, or they may have um, a business making hair care products. That's not necessarily grandiose, but it could be because hair and, and helping people heal their hair is, is a massive thing. But you understand what I'm saying. Basically, I think what when coming out of the spiritual closet, a lot of times that, that goes with your consciousness elevating to a place where you're no longer stuck in this box or limitation trying to force a round peg into a square hole you know what i'm saying or a square peg into a round hole like you're allowing yourself to have options you're allowing yourself to step outside of the bounds of what your society what your culture what your uh programming has told you you're supposed to be and some people are born with this mindset and some people grow into it and some people are abruptly put pushed into it and another thing I was thinking about the other day is like I don't know how much this relates but another form of activism is shifting the narratives around media depictions of us as a people as a culture and so it's like that is a form of activism fighting back with the mass perceptions of who we are and what we are and what we can be and who we can be you see what I'm saying and and what we have and what we can't have and what we do and what we can do. This level of potential, you know, that is kind of being taken from us. It's like the narrative is affecting our mindset and our mindset is affecting our beliefs and our beliefs are affecting, you know, it is therefore and therefore and, and feelings and, and, that, and that goes back to the poverty programming and the vicious cycle of poverty as a root to a lot of the issues that we face in our community and in general obviously but I'm just speaking on you know our community it's like it's something that is a root of an epidemic you know and I don't know why there's not enough talk about it but don't jump on everybody's bandwagon who now wants to be a voice for it and, and use their platform for it because it's popular because it's trending because now it's lucrative for them because a lot of these people have been been gatekeepers have been holding truth and knowledge and they didn't want to share it until they could exploit it and profit off of it and like me i share all this wisdom and i'm not making anything from it yet but that's because i cannot help it that's when you know something is a God-given calling to you. When you cannot wake up in the morning without doing something that you're called to do. When you can't help but answer God's call. The money is going to come. But this information I have is abundantly ever-flowing. Because I'm opening up myself to truth. But yeah, guys. That's all I really want to kind of talk about is that money mindset and, and, and the narratives. And how it's deeply rooted in how coming out of that spiritual closet impacts more than just you know your personality it's, it's it's your mindset too and basically breaking free of those chains that limit you and bound you to places and experiences and opportunities financially and otherwise that no don't serve you and never have served you 
for you guys. That's all. Well, as always, someone who cares, a spiritual activist. Remember, we're getting to the root so we can find the solution. Peace, love, light, and healing energies. Be open to receiving them. Keep God first. I love you guys. Peace out.